Jim drops a key down a hole. Everyone loves the horse but hates Lori. Brad's so mad he doesn't even show. What about Buster? All this and more on the Walking Dead TV Podcast, Episode 8. The world we know is gone. No Google. No Amazon.com. No email. No podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 8 of the Walking Dead TV podcast. It's a bonus show. We have so much stuff that we need to go over before the next episode airs that we had to do this midweek show, and uh, we are happy to do so. This is John, and I have with me Jim, Russ, and Jordan. Hello, guys. Howdy doody. Good evening. Hello, 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 hello. We are short Brad, who is the um, episode two naysayer. A lot of the hate mail is uh, focused on him. No, actually, it's not. But Brad was unable to make it, unfortunately. But he'll be back next time, I'm sure, for the uh, Episode 3 show. So basically what we have here is, due to the awesomeness of our listeners, we have been bombarded with feedback. We have a ton of emails. We have a ton of voicemails. We have tweets. And most of them are focused on the premiere and Episode 2 guts. So... We wanted to make sure we were able to play them, you know, to thank everyone for sending them and to get your voice heard a little bit. But we didn't want to bog down our next show, which will be focusing on episode three from this coming Sunday. So we wanted to get all of this stuff out so we can start fresh with the episode three next week. So first, our order of business is some big news in the world of The Walking Dead. And I believe Jordan is going to start us off with that. Sure. Well, let's start off with the ratings for episode two. Uh, the first episode got 5.3 total, just, not 5.3 viewers, 5.3 million viewers. There's a big difference there. Uh, and that was just for the first showing. Second episode got 4.7. And yes, that's less, but that's actually an excellent retention rate. Uh, most shows go down quite a bit more between their first and second episodes because people will check it out. And then, you know, a good percentage won't think it's for them. But so great retention rate. They had a lot of viewers which meant that the next day on Monday we got the awesome announcement that The Walking Dead has been renewed for season two. It'll be a 13-episode season, and it'll be back next year. We don't know exactly what time yet, but it has been confirmed. 13 more episodes of The Walking Dead on AMC. Yay. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty awesome, and I know that uh, Twitter just blew up when that announcement came. There's a lot of happy fans out there, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion with the ratings from the first episode, but it's nice to have it set in stone. And now that uh, that contest they've been running to win the Stagger on Roll actually has some meaning, because if you read the fine print before that announcement, it actually says you could win a roll on The Walking Dead Season 2 if there's actually a Season 2. So now you can definitely win one. Sweet. So I guess we should just mention uh, briefly that we are in for Season 2. We're having a lot of fun doing this, and we're getting some good response so we're gonna go ahead and continue this into season two and we're kind of, we've been hammering around and, and and throwing some things around about what we're gonna do between seasons because it will be something like i don't know what do we say guys 45 weeks or something 
Yeah, assuming it starts back up next Halloween, which I think is a safe bet, uh, that's about right. Yeah, so we're going to come up with, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be a DVD release in between, and we're going to do some comparisons with scenes from the book and the show, and we're going to do some just book shows to kind of uh, go over some of those issues. So we'll, we'll definitely have things planned, but uh, we're in. I mean, I think we're kind of having a blast with all this great stuff. And if there's anything in particular you want to hear on the show between seasons, call in, write in, tweet in, let us know. What do you want to hear on the show in the hiatus between seasons? That's a good point. I mean, would you rather we did an episode by episode commentary of the season gone by? Would you rather we uh, did uh, focused on the comics and graphic novels? Uh, it's basically up to the listeners uh, in a lot of respects. So if you let us know with your feedback, that would be great. And we, uh, we know what to plan for. Russ, I think you had a bit of news that you wanted to uh, just kind of mention as well, didn't you? Yeah, it, through Comic Book Resources, John Mayo, who's a, a local Austinite as well, he posts up on, on Comic Book Resources and on his podcast uh, the monthly sales numbers, and he kind of dives in and gives you know detailed analysis on what sold for two retailers through Diamond for comics and trades. And with little surprise, we kind of figured there'd be numbers for The Walking Dead, but um, it was pretty significant. Um, the Walking Dead Volume 1, Days Gone By, which is the first six issues, it's a nine ninety nine trade, sold 10,000 copies just in October. Now, just to give you a little context to that, typically the number one selling trade for the last probably year or so is somewhere between six and 8,000. So given the fact that the number two book sold 10,000, um, and, and there's pretty pretty good gap. The number three book was was 7,500, so there's a pretty good gap. John has the total sales listed about 130,000 to date um, for that trade that's been reported through. And again, this is just comic retailers. This isn't Borders or Amazon or anything like that. But w- what's interesting is when you look at um, all of the trades in the top 15, not even the top 20, but the top 15, seven out of the top 15 were all Walking Dead volumes. And I think every single trade shows up within the top 50 or top 75. And they're on volume 13 just came out like last week. So realistically, we're looking at trades one through 12, um, which is pretty darn impressive. And And Russ, you said this was the list for October, right? Correct. So those numbers before the show had even premiered, unless you want to count the last day of October. Right, right. And, and, you know, for the most part, this is retailers gearing up kind of like they did for Watchmen and, and Scott Pilgrim, you know, retailers gearing up for the fact that the, the show is going to garner some interest. People are going to be hopefully coming into the shops and, and looking, uh, you know, for these books. So that's a pretty good sign. I mean, again, this isn't sell through. So we don't know what actually got in the hands of folks. But well, I know I was in my local comic shop today talking to the owner and he said they just sold their last copy of any Walking Dead trade they had yesterday. Uh, It was volume three, but they don't have like any floppies left. They don't have any trades left. I mean, it's filtering down. I mean, this is a kind of small shop in New Jersey, but uh, they're they're selling pretty well even there. So that's kind of awesome. Which, also, I, know, I do know that the really low-numbered issues of The Walking Dead are very scarce and hard to come by because of the low print runs, especially number one. Uh, there was an article on io9 this week about issue number one selling for over $1,500. Wow. Yeah, it was a 9.9 9 graded. I think there's only four graded at that um, in the world. And, it, yeah, it was like 1875, I think, is what it, what it sold for. It's crazy. But that's good news for, I think, November we're going to see the same trend, if not, if not more. All right, all very good news. We're full steam ahead. Zombies are the new vampires, officially now. So condense your 
twilight sections. I'm looking at you, Borders. <laughs> and uh, and roll out the zombies. Yeah, don't forget about the film adaptation of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies that's coming out soon, too. Yeah. Isn't there also um, a Blinken zombie hunter? Yes. Yes, there is. That's awesome. <laughs> Let's start off with an email. We'll get one of those done, and, uh, and then maybe we'll do some voicemails and, and mix it around and, and uh, so forth. Who's got an email? Russ? Sure. This one's from Jennifer, and she says, Hi, guys. I'm a newbie. Just wanted to say I absolutely love the first episode so far of the Walking Dead series. There's only two things that kind of bothered me on the show. Minor things like the little girl in the beginning, which, like I said, was minor because I kept saying to myself, she's already dead. LOL. But I was a little surprised that they started right off the bat with that. And the horse. I was surprised they got away with showing that too. That no animal-loving people would have said something. She kind of brings up an interesting point. I have been listening to some of the other uh, Walking Dead podcasts, which you can find on forumforgeeks.com and the Walking Dead podcast network, by the way. But they mention the horse as like a big deal. I guess I'm so desensitized. It never even, you know, I never thought about it twice. But, you know... I guess when you think about it, you don't see like animal mutilation like that very often, especially not on TV. Yeah, I mean, I guess after seeing The Godfather and knowing they used a real horse's head and seeing Patton where they threw the horse on the side of the bridge, I uh, I guess I'm somewhat desensitized in the last 30-some-odd years to the fact that there's uh, animal violence. And I'm sure in this case, a, a real no animals were harmed in the filming of the episode. Yeah, I've seen Cannibal Holocaust. None of this is going to phase me in the least. <laughs> Great movie. Yeah, I mean, it's weird that people weren't put off by the fact that they hacked a guy into little pieces to smear them on their coats, but they're bothered by the horse. You know what I mean? It's kind of misplaced, I think. She goes on to talk about, um, you know, Rick. I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase a little bit here because we got quite a few vo uh, voicemails and emails. But she kind of talks about how she thought it was the scariest when he wakes up in the hospital and she thought it was the, the oldest horror flick thing to do when, when someone warns you not to open the door. And in this case, when there's the big, big painting, on, you know, spray paint on the door that says, you know, don't open dead inside. And then again, when he was going down the staircase, she said uh, she must have stopped buying comics like seven years ago. Um, they, were getting, get, they were beginning to get too expensive. And, and this is something we kind of hear a lot of. Well, maybe not a lot of, but we do hear more is that, you know, folks are kind of complaining a bit about, a, the price, which I, I, I hear you, and B, you know, the lack of just a truly good store. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's interesting to hear that uh, reflected here as well. If you're in central New Jersey, I would suggest uh, Collector's Corner in the Burlington Center Mall. It's my shop uh, there that I go to. I don't own it. That'd be nice, but I don't. Very nice service and uh, good selection, and you don't have to order stuff ahead of time unless it's like a really small print run. Yeah, there's, there's you know, sometimes, unfortunately, you just got to kind of hop around and find one. Um, but she goes on to say that she, she went into a different comic shop and bought the first two volumes of the trade, um, and they had plenty on the rack. So, again, like we said in the numbers, you know, a lot of stores are gearing up. She said she was kind of leery about reading it before she saw anything else because she didn't want to be spoiled. But she does plan on reading She does plan on reading reading them. She said she already had read the first issue of the free app that they had for The Walking Dead. So I'm assuming like either through iTunes or she has an iPad, uh, Envious. And she said she was really impressed that they didn't follow it, you know, like word for word in the first episode. I agree with that. I think we talked about that earlier about how the different divergences from the book is, makes it interesting for us who've already read it. You know, we still have surprises coming our way. So, yeah, 
Yeah, and she kind of questioned about you know how long he was actually out. If it was just a couple weeks for everything to happen, she wasn't sure. Um, and she says she hopes she doesn't end up hating throughout the series. So, and I think if you read the comic, you'll get a different perspective on that for sure. And uh, she she apologized for the long email. No no worries. Um, we really appreciate the feedback. And uh, she says she hopes to leave a voicemail next time. Look forward to the next podcast, Jennifer from New York. So thank you for the for the email. Um, we definitely don't get enough of those, and and so no worries on the long ones. If uh, if it if we're worried about time, we'll just uh, paraphrase. <laughs> Hey, on the subject of comic shops, something we forgot to talk about, or I shouldn't say we forgot to talk about last episode, I forgot to talk about, but uh, watching The Walking Dead on AMC, another comic shop in my town actually advertised during the show. Um, it's not my normal shop because it's a bit farther away, but it's nice too. And it was kind of really wild to see them advertise there, but I think it's kind of awesome. I wonder if people around the country are seeing uh, advertisements for the local comic shops during the show. Okay, so we have a number of voicemails as well. So maybe we'll do one or two of those now, and uh, we'll bounce a little bit after that. So here's our first. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Brent, only from uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, 39 years old, not into the comics. Uh, do like uh, a lot of AMC programming. So uh, tuned in for The Walking Dead, you know, kind of open-minded. But I got to say, I really did like it. Uh, I will tune in again. Uh, did not think it was too gory or anything like that. A uh, little bit desensitized to that kind of thing, but uh, I did find the character development uh, interesting. And one thing about tanks, tanks normally do not have holes in the bottom of them. Uh, that would make them structurally ineffective. Uh, so I do believe that's just a little bit of a Hollywood thing there, uh, you know, so he could have a way to get away from the zombies. Um Found you guys on iTunes. Just uh, typed in uh, "Walking Dead uh, TV," uh, and you guys popped up with uh, three or four others. And uh, decided to go with you guys. And uh, I'll tune in and uh, hope they'll make more than six episodes. Thank you. Well, thank you for that call, and you'll be very happy to know that it, it did make more than six episodes, as we just discussed. So that's cool. I'm certainly not a military expert, but I'm going to take his word for it that there really isn't a hole at the bottom of tanks. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's another point that a lot of people, um, as I kind of monitored Twitter the days following the premiere, the convenient tank bottom is definitely a scene that bothered more than, you know, one person. But the combination of the quick, I'm going to commit suicide, no, I'm going to roll in this tank... Uh, and there actually being a hatch in the bottom of the tank. Those two things kind of, uh, I don't know how much it bothered people, but it was certainly something that uh, a number of people mentioned. I certainly heard the speed of the scene uh, as a problem with most people, or more people than the actual hatch in the bottom of the tank. It was certainly my problem with it. But uh, I don't know, there's a lot of variety of tank out there. I'm sure some of them have an escape hatch somewhere, I would hope. All right, so thanks, Brent, for that call. Uh, please call again sometime. Let's see if I can get another one up here real quick. One thing I just wanted to mention about this before we play it also is there's a bit of a spoiler in it, so we decided to beep that out. And uh, it'll probably be pretty cool to have everybody guess on what the missing word is. Hey guys, this is Trent in uh, North Carolina. I just finished the first episode of the Walking Dead po podcast. It was episode-specific. I thought you guys did a awesome breakdown of the show. It was really cool to be able to kind of relive the show a week after I'd watched it in my head as uh, you guys were describing it and talking about it. Uh, the one thing that I noticed when I was watching the episode is 
I don't know if I'm right or not, but I think I feel like I remember them discussing the the ripple effect not coming up until way later into the comic, like after they've left the and everything. Uh, I don't know. I don't own the trade, so I can't check it out myself. So I was just wondering if if I'm wrong about that or if I'm right. What you guys think about them introducing the consequences of firing guns so much earlier uh, in the TV show? Uh, love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Okay, thanks, Trent. He could be right. They they probably didn't introduce the consequences till later, but I'm totally okay with them doing it right up front because I think that lends a lot to the, you know, quote, uh, realism of the show. Um, it, it certainly makes it a little more realistic if they're making noise and a commotion attracts the zombies and you can't just go around, like, firing a gun or, or whatever. I agree as well. Yeah, it didn't bother, didn't bother me a bit. Me either. I mean, I'm not a remake purist by uh, by any stretch of the imagination. As long as they keep the characterization the same, you know, th- as long as they they take the characters we know and we they put them in a situation, whether it's the exact same situation we read or not, you know, that that's cool. And you know, the important thing is that you get the characters right. And you know, some of the set pieces from the book are pretty important or at least pretty sensational. So I'm. They'd be kind of stupid not to use them, but I wouldn't begrudge them for changing small details like that. All right, let's try to do one more quick voicemail now. Hey, guys. I love the podcast. I have not seen the comic before, but I am relatively new to this whole uh, zombie post-apocalypse genre, the Morningstar virus, and a couple other books that I've read, audiobooks. And uh really like this... Uh, AMC movie. I really enjoyed uh, Rubicon, so I'm glad they brought this on. Uh, I was very startled when he blows away the, the little girl zombie at the beginning. I kind of raised an eyebrow and like, wow, uh, so that's how it's going to be. Um, but I have to say, I'm very pleased. I was really looking forward to this. DVR'd this bad boy, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of them uh, tonight, actually. Um Good stuff. Really good podcast. I like your production. Like how you guys go through the episode, talk everything through. I found you on iTunes. I had done a search, um, and I got lucky and clicked on the right one, I guess. So I'm looking forward to many more podcasts. Uh, well, actually six, I guess, or however many you're going to do. And uh, keep up the good work. And I uh, love the show. Looking forward to tonight. Thanks. Okay, thanks for that. I don't think he left a name, but uh, thanks very much for the call. You know, the more I think about it, the more I think the little girl being killed in episode one is kind of an homage to the little girl being shot in uh, Night of the Living Dead, the original. It could be, definitely. I mean, I know, uh, like, Dwayne Jones is the name of one of the actors from the original Night of the Living Dead, and that's the name of uh, Morgan's son in the first episode. Right. A couple of kind of trends from these last few voicemails that I want to bring up. Number one, if you like the kind of in-depth walkthrough that we do, that's kind of our thing, if you will. Um, If you go to hhwlod.com and you look through the Legion of Dudes episodes, we do that kind of in-depth discussion um, weekly, pretty much. And we have done it for different comic series, for movies, TV shows... We even have gotten really in depth about some video games and stuff. So if you kind of if you like that style, please check out the website for the other uh, shows that are similar. Also, if you notice, people keep saying I just searched Walking Dead on iTunes and you guys popped up. Well, that's mostly in part to the great reviews that all of you are leaving. You know, people can pick any of the 
I don't know, a dozen probably by now Walking Dead shows that are popping up. But uh, they're seeing the great reviews and everything you guys are doing for us. And uh, so we're getting chosen more than not, which is pretty awesome. So thanks for that. Shall we do another email? Sure. I am going to read this one um, verbatim just because this brought up uh, – I'd say this is constructive criticism. I won't say negative because that's, that's not what it is. But I really um, appreciated the, the straightforward talk. And this is from Angela. And she says, picked up your show with episode six after watching and loving the premiere of The Walking Dead. My husband is a huge fan of the comics, but I've never picked them up. So for all intents and purposes, I'm not going to, into the show blind. Or I, I'm going into the show blind, sorry. A recurring theme in episodes six and seven so far has been how much you guys hate Lori, which from a solely TV viewer perspective is totally inexplicable, at least if you're hating Lori and not hating Shane. It's clear Lori is not an innocent character, but it's also clear from the first time we meet Shane and Rick that there are problems in their relationship between Rick and her, which indicates that, at least in her mind, he's not perfect either. And please remember, it takes two to tangle. Lori couldn't be having this affair if Shane weren't willing. From my perspective, there are a number of ways to interpret the relationship. My first thought was that was the affair had started before the zombies showed up. Another possibility is she's essentially trading sex with Shane for protection. If she doesn't have other skills, what if that's the reason she gets to stick around? Or maybe it's more primal. In a world where you are constantly surrounded by death, sex is the ultimate affirmation that you are still alive. Wondering if maybe this hate for Lori stemmed from something she does later in the comics. I ran your guys' thoughts past my husband, who frankly was mystified by your reaction to her. In his view, she may not be the most likable character and can be demanding, but she's really rarely acting wrong. Just maybe not the most tactful or selfless person ever. I'm enjoying 95% of your podcast and really like your episode recap style, which allows for in-depth discussion and ensures you don't forget anything and have to keep backtracking. But the fact that every mention of Lori brings up a contextless mention that she's the character you hate while the writers are merely making Shane hateable, implying that hatred is reasonable reaction but not the only one is a bit off a, a turn is a bit of a turnoff. Thanks, Angela. Well, I kind of defended myself to Angela, I'm, I'm not going to lie, already in an email. Um, and I, I kind of tried, <laughs> I, I tried to explain without spoiling anything. Um, I think we have a good reason that we haven't been able to hate Shane in the books. We, we won't say why, but I definitely think that she's right on the money with... Uh, we've probably been going after Lori a little bit too hard and not giving equal play to Shane's part in the... Affair, And again, I think that goes back to what we mentioned about Shane's relationship with Carl. Like, I think that's validating it a little bit in my head. Well, I know a lot of my dislike of the character of Lori comes from what she, uh, what happens later on in the book. And again, I don't want to spoil because we are walking to a TV podcast, not a comic podcast. So I base my uh, opinion on Lori. And I know this is wrong because I should be going cold onto the, the episodes and taking them as they are unto themselves. But I kind of have the uh, these feelings about Laurie's character from what I read, you know, uh, in the comics. So I do apologize for Angela for letting that prejudice seep through. Um, again, I understand every point she made in her email, but that's kind of my reaction to the character, and I agree with her about Shane as well. But um, as, as John said, to explain why we we don't hate or we don't uh, you know dislike Shane as much or as long, we would we would spoil something pretty huge. So. Yeah, but they're they're both despicable people at this point in the series. Let's just let's just say that for sure. And in, in the TV show, don't like either of them. Yeah, it's funny. I 
I wasn't on an episode or for the episode two show, but I have equal hatred from purely looking at the TV show. I have I have equal hatred for both um, Shane and Lori. I I, I I can't say at this point that either one of them um, do much for me as as characters. And I I I am curious to see if is that this affair was going on prior to. Um, you know the zombie outbreak, and, and based on the conversation that um, Shane and um, and Rick had, you know before the before the big shootout at the beginning, and uh, it, it's funny again not to, not to spoil anything because one of the things I said, you, you know, the rest of my family's some of them are watching the show, and I said, you know, just just keep in mind, you know, if this follows anything like the comic, don't get too attached to anybody. And uh, so my daughter's been been hounding me. She's like, please tell me they kill Shane. Please tell me tell me they kill Shane. So. Um, she shares your hatred for Shane and 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 uh, displayed no hatred for Lori. So, so there you have it. It's interesting how we try not to let our knowledge of what happened in the books, you know, sway us one way or another. But it's almost impossible. And I think Brad kind of touched on this last time. It's almost impossible to completely separate yourself. Yeah, I agree with that. It's it is just because I mean. If if you followed up to the storyline now, that's a big time investment. We they're up to what issue seventy eight, I think seventy eight. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge investment of time with these characters and living you know with them in their world. So it's kind of hard to divorce yourself from that, you know, and, and try to look at this with fresh eyes. But uh, I plan, I I promise to do so in the future, and I'm sorry if I alienated Angel in any way with my Lori hatred. <laughs> so, I think this is when we need to. Uh segue into the tweeting dead because one thing I asked for on Twitter was who do you hate more Lori Dixon or Shane (laughs) (laughs) so uh, I'd like to I'd like to do some tweets quickly Um, first thing I like to say is I definitely bit off more than I can chew the Twitter response hey that's kind of like a zombie pun right biting off more than you can chew that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty clever. Sure, we'll take it. And uh, the Twitter response is like bananas, which is awesome. Don't get me wrong, but now I kind of feel obligated to read a bunch of tweets, and I'm going to do the best I can. The first thing I like to do is just thank a bunch of people. Zero Fights, PKD Media, the ETM Podcast. Uh, we've made friends with the Sons of Anarchy uh, tweeters and podcasters that's girl of mayhem and watchers of anarchy and harley big daddy and they've just been awesome with like retweeting and telling everybody how great the show is and saying things like you know if you watch the walking dead please check out you know and linking us a couple of other ones cujo 317 couch potato podcast and Eliza, of course who always says uh say hi to jordan for me so i'm saying hi to jordan for her now hey the voice one two three that's our buddy daryl he says i hate Lori. Harley Big Daddy says, damn, that's a tough one. He can't decide between Dixon or Shane. So that's kind of, I think Dixon was, I, I mean, you can't like him. Um, yeah, but that's kind of, it's, it's almost like his character is yeah. built, built to hate. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. I mean, how can you defend his character in any way? And Daryl D's Darlins says Shane. So it's certainly uh, one more flick dude says, Lori always made me insane in the books. I expect much the same here. So, so uh, we're not the only ones. Ducky is lost to his Lynn, who has been like another awesome supporter. 
Uh, she leaves emails and, and, and private messages and tells everybody to listen to us on Twitter. Uh, she's really awesome. She says she'll go with Dixon. Um, depends on when Shane and Lori started, though. So far, they are forgivable. Um, so I guess that's the angle. You know, that. It, listen, it's the zombie apocalypse. So if you end up shacking up with somebody who's alive, I guess you can't be blamed. Yeah, Merle Dixon is not a likable human being at this point in the show. I kind of thought about the the Lori Shane thing too a little bit and and I guess in a way if if you're if you're convinced your husband is dead you could probably die at any moment in time and you have a connection you're in with strangers except for your son and this person that you have a connection with and you may may or may not have had a connection with prior to all this outbreak or not I you know who's to say <laughs> <laughs> I think we're to say. No, I don't know. <laughs> we're the internet. There's another tweeter by the name of Jen Deve who says, well, at first I wanted to throw Dixon off the roof, but I'm expecting uh, his to be an interesting character. And she goes on for a little bit, like trying to rationalize to herself who she hates more, and she ends with, uh, it's a draw, sorry. So <laughs> she really couldn't uh, come up with an answer. Evil Dorina says in the books, I wanted to punch Lori. So I think we're not alone, but we should be a little more sensitive to the people that do not read the books. And also sensitive to the fact that we don't know for sure that the, mo- uh, the show is going to play out the exact same way at the same speed that the books did. I mean, we talked about this a bit off the air, but certain things that we know to expect or we think to expect, you know, it could happen seasons from now instead of episodes from now. Who knows? The, the ratio of hate from one character to another could be very different in the show. Right, and, and another thing I found, um, the book readers tended, and, and we're included in this, to rate the episode a little bit lower than the people who are just jumping on for the TV show. Uh, I, I saw a lot of positive responses for Guts. Um, I should say I'm talking about episode two right now. And um, a lot of surprise that we were only giving it, you know, our, I think we did a lot of three, three and a half. So I think Brad said two and a half. So like you said, you know, th- there's different perspectives here for the readers and the non-readers. Uh, Lynn, again, Ducky is Lost, gave it a five. Uh, perfect score. Fueled by Brit gave it a five as well. Five busters, that is. We tried to get on the busters train and then he wasn't in episode two which wasn't really cool. Um, Texition gave it a four. And last one, Luthen gave it a four as well. Minor quibbles here and there, still better than 99% of what's on TV, in my opinion. I've read a couple of advanced reviews for episode three as well because uh, television critics have been sent you know, review copies of it. And uh, pretty much the consensus is they all liked episode one more than two, and all of them like three more than two, but some of them even like episode three more than the pilot. So that should be interesting to see how that plays out on Sunday. Wow. I, li- I like two just fine. I mean, I guess I'd give it – I give episode one a five and I give episode two a four. Um, I didn't have some of the dislike that I either heard or I know, I know that Brad had. I, one of the things that became apparent to me, and I don't know if – you know, part of it is maybe biased because you know – I could tell just in the tone and the way things played out that Darabont didn't direct episode two as opposed to one. I mean, I could tell like tonally something was different with episode two. 
That was that was Brad's major problem, actually. Yeah, and, in comparing it to episode one. Yeah, I mean, not enough to really set me off or anything, because you kind of you kind of knew that was going to happen. But but I could I could tell I could tell there's something that just that just didn't feel as right. Uh, one last tweet, Mister Iron E Singleton, who is T Dog on the show. He's a really cool guy. A lot of people. He's out there on Twitter, and he's hashtagging The Walking Dead and answering people's questions and commenting. And uh, he said, thanks, I appreciate the support. Um, we had said you rocked, man. Love T-Dog, and we know you dropped the key on purpose. So he's, <laughs> he's a good sport, and he, he enjoys interacting with the fans and everything, and that's really cool. So I wanted to at least mention Mr. Singleton. Going back to directing for one minute, the director of Episode 2, Guts, and I am blanking on her name at the moment, but uh, she also directed at least one episode of Breaking Bad, which is also on AMC. It's a great show if you haven't checked it out. But what's notable about her episode, or the episode for sure that I know she directed, it's called One Minute. It won the Emmy for Best Directing in a Drama last year. Um, and deservedly so. It's one of the best hours of television I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and there's also, just like there was a scene with an axe in Guts, there was a very important scene with an axe in One Minute. I... I posted a link to uh, to the dudes to see uh, the final scene of that episode. But that whole episode is so good that, you know how AMC replays stuff, I watched it. They replayed it. I watched the whole thing again. Then they replayed an episode of Mad Men, which just happened to be one of my favorite episodes of Mad Men. Uh, Russ, it's the one with the lawnmower. And then they <laughs> replayed oh, the wow. episode again, and I watched an, I watched that episode two and a half times that night. It was so good. So check out on uh, on YouTube. Type in Breaking Bad One Minute. And check out the last five minutes from that episode. It's crazy. So she, she's not a bad director. Let's just put it that way. Even, even if we didn't prefer the stuff she was doing in this episode to, to Darabont, she has won an Emmy for directing before. Yeah, I, I didn't and I didn't mean to it to come across as negative. I just to me I could tell there was something different. And you know, part of it is you're you're coming up against Frank Darabont. I mean, somebody that's done, you know, a lot of movies and, you know, has kind of, I guess, thematically or tonally done, you know, what we're doing in, or what they're, what they're doing in The Walking Dead. So, like I said, I, I didn't take it as, as a true negative. I just kind of, I could just tell the difference, which surprised me. Because normally with TV shows, um, I don't notice when Director A or Director B is on. How about another email, and then we'll get to some iTunes reviews, and... Uh... Some more good stuff. Alrighty. Our next email is from Aaron from Laguna Hills. And um, he says, First off, how you dudes have grown. I've been listening since the early Watchmen days and have tuned in to your varying feeds since. He was probably a big fan of the extended edition, I'm guessing. Hmm. R.I.P. I was so pleased when you decided to dedicate an entire podcast to the Walking Dead TV show, but I digress. I want to talk about episode two, The Walking Dead Guts. I think this may have been one of your finest episodes yet. All of you guys found a way to express your opinions appropriately, even as they diverge from each other. You also managed to pull off a number of great zingers. T-16 through Beggar's Canyon. Anyway, I feel the second episode obviously could not live up to the superb pilot. It's important to note that Darabont and his cinematographer did not handle this episode, which should explain the shift in style. I think the most agreeable thing to note on is how much I did not like the racist Merle character. There is simply no logic. 
besides manufactured drama for him to be there. I mean, he was apparently a part of the camp, so why would they bring him? Did they think he'd be useful? Did they know he was such a loud and obnoxious or obvious racist? I'm a big fan of Michael the Rook Rooker, but I hope the audience response either leads to his character being written out of the show or written in a new manner. But besides this aspect, I was completely on board for the rest of the show. I love the portrayal of Glenn here. I, I've always found him to be a reliable character in the comics, so it's good to see him captured well for the adaptation. And while I was taken off guard by Andrea's presence, I thought Lori Holden also did a good job at representing the early stages of her character. I did think that the grenade was going to come into play at some point. By the way, did you guys mention that Rick still has the grenade from the tank? But besides that and the lack of Buster, I'd still give this episode a three and a half Busters out of five. See, the Buster thing's catching on. We did not mention the uh, grenade. That was my bad because I did the summary. Sorry. I also have to point out that I've had a mixed group of friends watching each episode. Some caught up on the comics and some not, and ranged of all ages. My dad and mom joined the series thus far, and I can also say that for my uncle, who is a non-reader, he did in fact ask if the Merle character was a part of the book. Various questions have been brought to me by those watching it with me concerning comparisons between the comic and the series, so at least I can say that these elements are factoring into the less informed viewers. Looking forward to future podcasts. Glad you guys have also decided to follow me on Twitter. Aaron SP uh, Aaron Aaron's PS3 and I'm happy to chime in when I can. You've got red on you. Very cool. I'm very happy to hear from an old Legion of Dudes alumni, we'll call him. Yes. Aaron brings up an interesting criticism that we didn't touch on but I've seen various places online which is kind of the the concept of well why did they let uh, or why did they invite Michael Rooker along with them? And and my question is, well, who says they invited him anywhere? It's a free country, even under no law whatsoever. Um, and so that's A. But B, maybe he wasn't high at the camp. I mean, he was very clearly under – I'm assuming coke, but uh, very clearly under the influence of some uh, mind-altering substance during that scene. So I, I don't know. It doesn't bother me quite so much as it has bothered some people. I'm going to say the reason that they let him come along is the giant sniper rifle that he's holding. <laughs> that would come in useful. And he might yeah. be a hard guy to argue with. Yeah, I tend to listen to the person handling the rifle. Yeah, and it could be one of those where, okay, he's an obnoxious racist, but like you said, he's got the assault, he's got the sniper rifle, and he's willing to come along and cover your butt. So um, it's like, okay, we'll put up with this nonsense because we know that if it comes down to us or the zombies, that he'll, you know, put one in a zombie before he turn on us. So, and, and presumably he hasn't physically assaulted any of them before this instance, right? It will be interesting how they handle these new characters in terms of uh, backstory. You know, actually, well, I mean, it goes for any character again because nobody else knows about the ones that we know about. So, I guess I should say. I wonder if they're going to go the flashback route, which we've talked about a little bit, or if they're going to kind of, uh, in exposition or, or whatever, just kind of explain the backstories and what's gone on. Because there's a huge gap of time, you know, um, from when the show starts out with that shootout on the highway to where they're at now. Yeah, I wonder if, if that's a season two thing, just because they'll have more room to breathe. You know, with, with the six-episode season not knowing for certain that it's going to get renewed, why bog down with a bunch of character detail that may not even matter and, and may turn some people off if you're not advancing the story. So um, so obviously it was important to see how things started, but, but for all the others, yeah, it would be interesting. 
All right, let's play another voicemail. Hey, guys, this is a message for the Walking Dead TV podcast. This is Jimmy Georgia, and uh, I've been listening to you guys' show here, and it's um, good. I like it a lot, and thanks for doing it. I know it takes a lot of hard work, and uh, it's awesome for you guys to do that. All right, so it's about the show. Uh, I'm not a comic reader as far as The Walking Dead has gone. I, uh, I picked up the first issue digitally on my iPhone for free read it, and it was really good. But um, just to say the show, I think it's been awesome so far. I do like the fact that it is going to be a TV show. It's going to be episodic, and we're going to get to know these people, and the story's going to get a chance to develop, and it's not going to be rushed into an hour-and-a-half or two-hour format. And uh, one thing about the second episode I really liked was when uh, <clears throat> I mean, two guys are walking down the street there with the uh, zombie guts on them, and there was just a lot of tension in that scene for me. Like, I don't know, any moment I was expecting the zombies to turn on them and attack them. And so I thought that was really good. And, uh, I don't know, I think I'm looking forward to see what else they can do in the next four episodes. And uh, looking forward to listening to the podcast. All right, thanks, bye. All right, thank you. We have quite a southern uh, fan base, I would say, right? We got a Georgia, a Kentucky, and... North Carolina. North Carolina, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, people seem to love that it's shot on location. Okay, so next we are going to read some new iTunes reviews. We love them. They help us a lot. As I just pulled up my iTunes, I noticed that we are now on the front page of what's hot in literature. Um, And all of that comes from the people subscribing and leaving reviews and uh, getting our show exposure. So thanks again. I'm going to read our new ones here. From Ducky is Lost, that's from our friend Lynn. The hosts have a great dynamic and are very knowledgeable about the Walking Dead comics, TV show, and other genre films. They had some interesting preseason interviews with insiders and did a very thoughtful analysis of the pilot episode. Don't worry about spoilers if you haven't read the comics. These discussions are kept separate. Enjoy. Just don't listen to it too loud or the walkers will hear you. She says, my new favorite podcast for my new favorite show. Five stars. Thank you very much. From KC Sants, superb. Five stars. Listen to episode one recap last night. Uh, After watching episode two, these guys are great. To cap it off, I was listening to the discussion about the little girl zombie as I was walking into my bedroom, lights out, and to my surprise, my four-year-old daughter was standing there half asleep, scared me half to walking death. Uh, needless to say, this podcast will forever be remembered. And uh, he signs it Kevin in Atlanta, so thanks to Kevin. This was an interesting one because we got an email about how we handled the cast of our show, Not All Loving, Episode 2. And this review says, Down with the Fanboys. It's a five-star review from Daniel. He says, Big drop-off for Episode 2. Not the podcast, but the show. I agree with whoever was critical of the two characters shooting the breeze and talking about looting while ravenous ghouls drool all over the department store windows. That was Brad, by the way. Why not shoot over to a neighboring building without storefront access? Don't be afraid to criticize the show when warranted. So I was nervous about uh, Brad's critical view of episode two, but uh, it worked out well, and I'm glad everybody enjoys the different opinions. So thanks, Daniel, for that review. One last one from One Music Knob. These guys offer well-rounded and interesting points of view, and they obviously know the source material very well. You won't find a better Walking Dead podcast out there. Knowledgeable and entertaining. Five stars. 
Thank you very much to everyone. Uh, we need the reviews, and uh, they help the show a lot, and everybody's really coming through, and uh, it's a success. So thank you. Absolutely. So another way you can help out the show, and really any podcast you listen to, there are many, many categories, and that's at podcastawards.com. And when you go there, there's there's many categories. There's categories for video podcast, people's choice, best produced um, video podcast, comedy, etc., gaming. There's all kinds of categories there, and you can um, nominate any of your shows, including the Walking Dead TV podcast. Um, we greatly appreciate that, and um, you know, it's just a way to support you know podcasts that you enjoy listening to, and and help get them noticed and recognized for doing outstanding work. Yeah, it's, it's real easy. I went there and nominated some podcasts, and uh, you don't have to like register or verify an email or anything like that. You just go on the front page, click in the names of the podcasts and their web address for the categories that you want. You put your email in so they just verify that you know one person isn't voting uh, 10,000 times. Click send, and you're done. And uh, I think it would be great to be nominated for this. And like Russ said, you know any of the, any other podcasts that you listen to, find the category for them and nominate them. It's a nice little way to get some recognition without anybody having to pay any money or do any hard work. And we have one final voicemail that we're going to get to now. This is the Pamp. I uh, I'm calling in. I'm just getting around to listening to uh, the most recent episode where you talked about the premiere. Um, I I enjoyed it immensely. It was uh, it was great to see. I, I'm going I'm to give you the one scene I loved and the one scene that uh, kind of irked me a little bit. Uh, the one scene I loved was uh, when he go, goes back for the, uh, the little half person crawling across the field and uh, apologizes. Uh, I, I thought that was a, uh, for a moment shared between a human and a zombie, it was actually quite tender and it really kind of humanizes the whole situation. Uh, the thing that kind of irked me was when he crawled directly underneath a tank and he puts the gun to his head and, uh, you know, says, sorry, Carl and Lori, that, that transition was so fast. He just, he, he puts the gun to his head and immediately looks, immediately like looks up and like goes straight up that, that little tunnel. And, uh, the transition was so fast. He didn't really get a chance to feel the gravity of the moment. You know, I mean, people who are watching it for the, first time and don't really know the story, you know, they don't know that, that there is potential for that character to, uh, you know, kill himself because he's, you know, surrounded by zombies and this is a, you know, this is being eaten alive by zombies is a fate worse than any other death, I would assume. Uh, you, you never really got the sense that, you know, hey, he, there's a chance he could die right here. So, I don't know. Uh, that irked me, but yeah, otherwise it was all fantastic. All right, I'm done rambling. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for putting out a great show, and thanks for all the plugs. Uh, we love you guys. Uh, thank you. Bye. Once again, the PAMP from the Devil's Advocates Movie Review Podcast. Yeah, that tank scene is just a sticker. It seems to be pretty unanimous that that was kind of flubbed. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people remark now about how quickly that scene transitions so i guess that is a major uh sticking point for a lot of people and the little half person which is an awesome description by the way um <laughs> who's i guess better known as the bicycle girl 
we, we talked about this a little bit. Apparently, for the you know new watchers uh, or non-readers, I should say, it was a great scene that they enjoyed a lot. And we kind of felt that they maybe skimped on that a little bit as compared to the book, which maybe we'll do um, one day. Yeah, I, I, think, I think there's a little more direct tie in the book uh, as opposed to the show. I think, I think pe- people may not have made that exact connection between the two. Okay, so we hope you enjoyed uh, all of this great stuff. Again, we had, as you have heard now, we've had so much response for the first two episodes of the show that we wanted to kind of, you know, make sure we get to that stuff so that everybody could be heard, but we also wanted to move on into episode three so we'll have a clean slate. So we hope everybody enjoyed it again. Uh, I'm going to send this to Jordan now, and he's going to go over a couple of last things before the preview for... The next episode of The Walking Dead, Jordan. Yeah, we like you said, we wanted to get this all out of the way because, uh, for many reasons, not only because there was so much of it, but next episode we're not going to be releasing Sunday night or Monday morning like we have been doing. We're actually going to release the next morning, so that means we're going to have lots of room for your tweets, your emails, your voicemails, your forum posts um, from the end of the show, uh, the end of The Walking Dead show on Sunday till we record Monday night. So you'll have a lot of time to get those in, and we want to play as much of it as possible. So. You're going to want to send those emails to comments at walkingdeadtv.com. You're going to want to go to forumforgeeks.com to join the Walking Dead podcast network and uh, post your forum comments. You are going to want to call our voicemail, which is 516-468-7912. And you can also go to youtube.com slash Jordan from Jersey or walkingdeadtv.com or right on Forum for Geeks, we have a thread for my video reviews. I did video reviews for Lost for its final season. I'm also doing them uh, under the banner of the Walking Dead TV podcast video edition for the Walking Dead TV show on AMC. So you can check those out. Those will be up about an hour after the episode airs on the East Coast. So that'll hold you off until uh, until our episodes go up the next day. But like we said, get in those uh, get in those tweets. Those Oh, the tweets are at WDTV Podcast. So get in the tweets, get in the emails, get in the voicemails, get in the forum posts, and uh, let us know what you thought so you can be featured on the next episode of the show. All right, now we're going to get into a brief preview of episode three. So slight spoilers start here. It's just the official AMC uh, advertisement summary. So it's nothing too spoilery, but if you don't like spoilers at all, and I totally get that, you're going to want to stop listening now. Have a good week, and uh, we will get back to you on Tuesday morning. See ya. Bye, everybody. So episode three of The Walking Dead is titled Tell It to the Frogs. And in Tell It to the Frogs, Rick makes a decision to go back to Atlanta to retrieve the bags of guns and save a man's life. Lori and Shane must deal with the surprising return of someone they thought was dead. Who could that be? Pretty sure it's the uh, Michelin Man. So check out that episode Sunday night, and don't forget they're going to be replaying uh, the pilot and episode two right before episode three, so you get a chance to watch the first three episodes right in a row with limited commercials. So that's it for episode eight. I'm Jordan, and I'm here with Jim, Russ, and John. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and remember, you know, until there's no more room left in hell and the dead walk of the earth, remember that, you know, horse isn't really that bad if you season it right. You've just got to make sure you have all that in place. A1 makes everything better. Yeah, or sweet baby rays, barbecue sauce. I like that too. Have a good night. Good night. Good night. I'm a man.